Turn to Proverbs, the fourth chapter, and uh, Hebrews 10, Proverbs 4, Hebrews 10, and let's release our faith together for uh, utterance. I believe there are some folks, number of people, in the two buildings watching by internet, people that'll hear and see this later, that have been... uh, Losing some battles, they've been, they need help, they need uh, some changes, they need some strength, some light, and I believe the Lord would minister to us tonight. Would you release your faith with me on these things? We don't have to lose battles, we're overcomers, we're more than conquerors, right? And so uh, the Lord's spirit in us is the greater one. And more than enough to put us over. Let's release our faith together. But let's believe God in prayer. Father in the name of Jesus. We come together. Asking you. Agreeing together about this. Touching this. And asking you for utterance. And for anointing. And for grace. And the moving of the spirit. And supply of the spirit. For every one of us. And the strength we need and the light we need and the grace we need and the help we need to stop being overcome and be the overcomer that you made us to be. We ask for your words that are life and quickening to us and for your anointing right now for this in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Somebody say we believe we receive it in Jesus name. So what we do now is we look for it, we expect it, and reach for it. So Proverbs 4, Proverbs 4 says, The path of the just is as the shining light that shines more and more unto the perfect day. We've been justified by our faith in Jesus and what he's done for us, and the path that we are to Uh, find and follow and and finish is not supposed to get worse with time. It's not supposed to get darker and more confusing. We're supposed to get more light and more glory and more victory and and pick up steam and make progress. No more and have more and do more. It's supposed to get better and better. Brighter and brighter. And we're supposed to move forward not backward. In Hebrews, the 10th chapter, Hebrews 10 and 38, he said, now the just shall live by faith. That's again, the just, that's us. Have you been made just, justified by your faith in him? This is you we're talking about. You live by faith. But if any man draw back, which is obviously the opposite of living by faith. Well, what could you say then about living by faith? If it's not drawing back, what would it be? It'd be moving forward. Faith moves forward. Fear draws back. He said, if any man draw back, my soul will have no pleasure in him. Verse 39. Let's read this out loud together. But we are not of them who draw back unto perdition but of them that believe to the saving of the soul. We're not going back. We're going forward. We're saved. We're not going back to the sins that we got delivered out of, the habits we got freed from. 
We're not going back to the fearful and fleshy way of living. We're going forward. Somebody say, I'm not going back. I'm moving ahead. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. In Jeremiah 7.23, you don't have to turn there. But 7, 23 and 24, he said, this thing I commanded them, saying, obey my voice and I'll be your God and you'll be my people. Walk in all the ways I commanded you that it may be well with you. What's God's will? That it be well with you. Verse 24, but what? They hearken not, nor incline their ear, but they walked in the counsels and in the imagination of their evil heart. The proverb says there's a way that seems right unto man. But the end of its destruction. And they went what? Backward. And not forward. Why? Because they went their own way. And not his way. We don't want to do that. Do we? Uh, Luke 9 verse 61 and 62. Verse 62 in particular. Let me read this from the complete Jewish Bible. Jesus said this. We looked at it already. He said no one who puts his hand to the plow. And keeps looking back is fit to serve in the kingdom of God. We looked at, this is what our fourth maybe message on this subject. If you haven't been with us, go back and get the previous ones. Download them off the internet. If you're in the buildings, you can go back in the back, get a CD or a DVD. Won't cost you anything. Feed your faith in this area. It'll help you. Won't cost you a dime. What do we say around here? No cost means no excuse. And here Jesus said, if you keep looking back, and we could say it like this, it disqualifies you from being fit or worthy to serve in the kingdom. We looked at uh, the Israelites that God delivered out of Egyptian bondage. Think about what it took to get them out of there after centuries of being these people's slaves. There was no way they're letting them go. The, the backbone of their economy was on these people's backs. And they're not letting them go. But they did. It took miracle after miracle. And sign and wonder after sign and wonder. But God brought them out with a mighty hand. And an outstretched arm. He brought them out with silver and gold. And there wasn't one feeble person among their tribes. And in just a few days. You know what the whole bunch wanted to do? Go back. Go back after all of that to get them out. They want to go back. Back to what? Back to bondage. And yet they romanticized it. They said, oh, there's watermelons and cucumbers and free fish. Free fish. You know, I thought about uh, what is several years ago there was this animated thing Phyllis made me watch it it was uh, <laughs> about Fievel what was it and they sang this song there are no cats in America and what the streets are made out of cheese was that what it is there are no cats in America <laughs> it wasn't true There are cats in America, and the streets are not made out of cheese. (laughs) Why am I saying that to you? Because that's exactly what the devil does. 
He tries to tell you, oh man, there's no problems over here and everything just falls on you. Isn't it something? They've been out of slavery such a short amount of time and he's already coloring this so that it looks good to go back to being a slave. Somebody say lies. 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 And we ask the question, you reckon there were any watermelons and cucumbers in the promised land? Could they have got all the, well, let me just stop here. Did they ever get those free fish and cucumbers and watermelons back in Egypt? They never made it back. They all died in the wilderness. They're longing for something that wasn't even available to them. Could they have had all the watermelons and would there have been better watermelons? Yeah. Over in, huh? We saw the grapes. They'd never seen any grapes like those. And the Lord said, I've handpicked this place for you. A land that flows with milk and honey. You won't lack for anything in it. But they didn't have the faith to move forward and keep going forward until they got there. Thank God the next generation under Joshua's leadership did. They fought the fights. They took the cities. They did. It wasn't easy, but they did it. How about you and me? There's a lot of people. It's just too hard to live by faith. They're not going to do it. They keep longing and looking back. And they keep talking about the good old days. But that's having selective memory. (laughs) And even modified memories. (laughs) Don't do it. Don't do it. Go with me to Genesis, the second chapter. I won't review all of that. Go uh, get the materials and catch up with us if you weren't here. We spent some time on that. And in Genesis 2, I want us to look at another side of this. Genesis 2, verse 16. Genesis 2, 16. The Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat. Verse 17. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat of it. For in the day that you eat thereof, you shall surely die. Now, there's so much here. Much more than we see, for sure. But just, it is so rich in revelation of who God is, what he is, what man is and why we're here and, and what's going on. Why have a tree that you don't want them to eat of? Why let them know about it? Why tell them what's going on? Friend, with us, every human that's ever been on the planet and now with us, This life is proving time. It's every one of our opportunity to show our true colors. That's what's really happening in this life. We have a whole lifetime to reveal what we love, what we don't, what we're willing to pursue, what we're not willing to pursue, what's important to us, what's not important to us. No one will be able to say after this life, 
Oh, I didn't have an opportunity. Everybody has an opportunity. Are you with me, saints? And the sad reality is that millions of people don't want God. They got no time for him. And some will say, well, maybe they just didn't know about God. Oh, (laughs) you're standing on the planet he made. The heavens declare his glory. They're talking tonight. Those stars are talking. The sun that comes up in the morning is talking. In fact, the further that I go, I'm convinced. If God revealed himself any more than what he's already doing, it wouldn't be about faith anymore. You have to want to not believe like it is. People talk about science versus faith. And people are saying, well, no, you know, I don't believe in in some divine being created everything. We have science now that reveals that it was all spontaneous, basically an accident. That's not science versus belief. That's belief versus belief. None of that's proven. None of these people were there. They don't know what happened. They don't know how it got here. Don't you let them tell you they know. They don't know. The honest ones will tell you. We think maybe. Anybody know what a theory is? The reason you got a theory is because you don't know what happened. Uh-uh. No, 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 no. It's a belief versus a belief. They've chosen not to believe in the Creator, even though the evidence is overwhelming. It's all over you. It's a, people say, well, prove it. <laughs> How about your next breath? You exist. It's proof. But... Because of the way uh, Isaiah 45, 15, I believe it is, says God's a God who hides himself. And he's done it because there's no other way to prove your heart. You've got to have the opportunity to not believe. And that's what's going on right now. Aren't you glad that by the grace of God, you believe? How many would say without hesitation, I believe, I believe, I believe. I don't care who sees it, who knows it. Soon and very soon, everybody is going to know, every knee is going to bow. Beings in heaven, beings on the earth, beings under the earth, every tongue is going to, every, every, not a one will fail to. Every tongue will confess, but for many it will be too late. Aren't you thankful that by the grace of God you believe now? Somebody say, I'm thankful, I'm thankful, I'm thankful. So here they've got Adam and Eve have an opportunity to prove that they trust God more than anybody else and that they love God more than anybody else. And they failed this test. And we can, none of us can throw a stone. The only way we could throw a stone is to say we have never sinned. None of us can say that, which means we basically did the same thing they did. Yes, 
But by the grace of God, what Jesus has done redeems us. So that we can still, after sin, say, Lord, I make the choice. I want you. I believe in you. I choose you. But I want you to notice what happened after he told in the third chapter and the sixth verse. I want you to notice how this played out because the enemy uses the very same tactics with everybody alive today that he used with Eve. Exactly the same. He hasn't changed. He doesn't need to. It still works exactly the same way. I want you to notice how it started. When the woman did what? Saw. Saw. What were they doing out there at the tree that they're not supposed to have any of? What are they doing out there? Maybe they were just looking. Everybody say, just looking. (laughs) Uh huh. Phyllis and I went to a car dealership. This is years ago. And uh, this salesperson came out. This guy came out. And he said, uh, can I help y'all? And I said, no, we're just looking. He said, yep, that's how it starts. <laughs> when he said that, it just went through me. I said, yeah, that is how a lot of stuff starts. Just looking. Somebody say just looking. Just looking. What are they doing out here? Just looking. You think they got up that morning and said, Let's go eat of the forbidden fruit. You want to? (laughs) Sure. Uh Uh-uh. No. No, because you can see her response to the enemy in the beginning. She said, no, God told us. Don't eat. But they didn't come there to do that. So what are they doing? The woman saw. That the tree was good for food and that it was pleasant to the eyes. He didn't have to say that. He's emphasizing again the fact that she's looking. She's looking and the more she looked at it, the more she wanted to look at it. That's how it started. That's how a million other things start. Just looking. Have you ever heard these phrases? Well, it don't hurt to look. <laughs> hurt them. Didn't it? Well, it's okay to look as long as you don't touch. It's okay to look. Where's that scripture? Is that a truth? That's like so many things. Did it hurt them to look? What if they had never looked? If they had never, notice what happened next. She's looking and it's appealing to her. She's enjoying what she's seeing. It's pleasant to the eyes. What happens next? A tree to be what? Desired. Looking fuels desire. It fuels it. And desire is the great spiritual motive force in anything you want to talk about in life desire desire of the soul 
is the moving force. It moves you. Basically, anything in your life that you think you'd like to have but you don't have, the biggest reason you don't have it, you, me, any of us, is because you don't want it enough. I said you don't want it enough. If you wanted it enough, your desire would move you. It would move you to get up early, to stay late. Even if you didn't know one thing about it, you'd stay after it till you found out about it. And what the scriptures say, seek and you shall find. Whether it's me, you, any of us. And that's one of the toughest truths for people to admit. People would rather believe all kind of things as to why I don't have it. Well, nobody helped me. Well, I just wasn't born with this. Well, I haven't had the opportunity. Excuses and not true. I assure you, if you wanted enough, and how many believe with God all things are possible? Is that true or not? Is it true or not? Even if it required creative miracles, if you wanted enough, you would pray, you would fast, you'd put your little nose in the Bible. Come on, are you listening? You'd be in every service, you'd be in every meeting, and when you hunger and you thirst after the right things of God, he said you will be filled. Didn't he say it? The truth is, in thing after thing, in area after area, we just haven't wanted it enough. And we've wanted other things that we shouldn't have wanted. And those desires have replaced. They've taken the priority and preeminence over things we should have desired more. Eve, she's looking at this. And the more she looks at it, the more she wants it. And and what happens after she wants it? To be desired, to make one wise. What'd she do? She took it. Go through the process again with me, guys. What happened first? She's looking at it. As she's looking at it, what happened? She wants it. And if you want it enough, what's that going to do? It's going to move you. It's going to move you to do something. To obtain it. If you want it enough, you're going to do things. (laughs) To cause that desire to be satisfied. And so she took it. And she did eat. And she gave to her husband, and he did eat. And they proved that they wanted that more than they wanted to please God. There's no need in arguing about it. They proved it. They proved they were willing to believe this lying devil through the serpent more than they believed their good God, whom they'd fellowship with since their creation. And you and I can throw no stones. Right? Because we've proven by choosing wrongly that we wanted this more than we wanted God. There's a whole lot of folks. How many think a whole lot of folks ought to be in church with us tonight? And there might be a very, very few of them that the Lord told to do something else. But the vast majority just wanted something else. More. Something else was a priority. And we've all made wrong choices. But I'm going to think that if we want God's best and God's highest, 
We're going to have to make the right choices. Right? And we're going to have to feed the right desires. Just like it works negatively. What if you just kept looking at the Lord? And you kept looking at his things. And you kept looking at his words. And you kept looking at his, the gifts of his spirit. Come on, are you listening? What's it going to make you do? Oh, it's like a hungry man looking at some hot cornbread. <laughs> What's going to happen? Phyllis laughs at me about the, the food channel. I don't watch the food channel too much. <laughs> and yet, Phyllis likes to watch it because she's a cook. She's a good cook. And she gets ideas. And she'll say, I can do that. And uh, I don't watch it 10 minutes. And I look at her and I go, can we get some of that? (laughs) Why? I didn't care a thing about it. Until what? I started looking at it. And the more I looked at it, what happened? I'm thinking, boy, that'd be good. That'd be pleasant to the tongue. Huh? That'd be pleasant to the mouth. Oh, yeah. So you come back and they show you some more. And then they get done and they all sit down at the table and they eat it. And they go, mmm, that's good. Oh, that's, oh, that's great. That's good. Woo. Man, that's, a, that's over the top. You're thinking, ha, ah, where's mine? Right? Can you see something and you weren't even thinking about it, but then after you begin to look at it, you start wanting it. We need to understand what a powerful spiritual principle this is and that we can control it. Just like you can fuel a desire, you can also starve a desire. If you know you shouldn't desire that thing, if you cut off any involvement with it, quit looking at it, quit listening to it, quit talking about it, the desire will weaken. It'll get weaker and weaker until eventually it won't, you won't think about it. You'll go days, not even think about it, and you won't want it. And where the things of God that you haven't been so fired up about, you can feed those desires until you get hungry for God. And you get hungry enough and desirous enough that it moves you. It moves you to pray and to seek God and to get in the Word and put your flesh under. And how many believe that could be key to us getting to some places in God that we've not been before? But He's not going to force Himself upon us. If we'd rather watch, you know, reality TV and eat tater chips than experience His presence, then He's going to let us have that. Say lie. In uh, Psalm 63, Psalm 63, 1, he said, O God, you're my God. Early will I seek you. Why would you seek something early? My soul thirsteth for thee. My flesh longeth for thee. In a dry and thirsty land where no water is. What's he saying? I want God like a parched man in the desert wants a drink of water. (laughs) Is that us? (laughs) It hasn't been. By and large, it hasn't been. But it could be. I said it can be. He said, "I, I long for you. I thirst for you. In the 84th Psalm, Psalm 84 and 2. 
He says it again, 84 and 2. He says, my soul longeth, yea, even fainteth for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cries out for the living God. Said out loud by faith, my heart, my heart and my flesh, my, flesh, my whole being, my whole being cries, out cries out for the living God. The living God. I, desire him. I desire Him. Glory to God. I desire Him more than the stuff of this world. More, more than flesh stuff. I want Him. I, I desire Him. I long for Him. You know, he is the Word, isn't he? He and his Word are one. The Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And listen to what it tells new believers in 1 Peter 2.2. 2. You're familiar with it, but 1 Peter 2.2 2 said, As newborn babes do what? Desire what? Sincere, another word for that is pure. The pure Milk of the word. Babies should desire it and crave it. Why? Because it's the determining factor in what happens to them, how quickly they grow up, and and how they make it to the next place in, in finding and fulfilling God's plan for their life. We, more than many people, value this word. A lot of people just don't. They actually value their religious tradition above the word. I, I know, uh, you know, Phyllis showed the airplanes. And uh, some people get upset about airplanes, especially the preachers and airplanes. That's, how many know that? Maybe some of your relatives. Makes them so mad. I'm telling you, they just could spit. Doesn't it? infuriates them. Why? A preacher need a plane for go places and come back. (laughs) Same reason magazine companies have them and brake pad companies have them and anybody else. But you know, we, a friend of mine, a uh, minister friend got an airplane that was an upgrade from his, and it was nice. It was it's a medium size, not a big one, but a medium size, and it could go to other countries. And they'd never had one like that before. And so they said, "We're coming through uh, this certain airport. You know, could you see us? Could you come see us? We want you to see it." And we said, "Oh yeah, yeah." And we went over there, and we sat in it and prayed with them, and dedicated it to the Lord, and. And just shouted and had a happy think about glory to God. Because both uh, all four of us, uh, he and his wife, me and my wife, we came from humble beginnings. And just just to think that God would let us have equipment like this to, to do his work. We just having a great time. Well, at this place where the planes come in, they call them FBOs. It's fixed base of operation where you get fuel and stuff. There was a, a, a guy that worked there. He knew us. He knew these folks and Phyllis and me both. And he was so excited and he was praising God. But uh, a big department store had just come in. They were sitting beside uh, this preacher's plane and it dwarfed his plane. It was a $40 million airplane. And it was a department store. And uh, some of the folks that were coming through 
want to know whose plane the preacher's was. And they said, they told us so-and-so preacher. And it made them mad. They cussed. They basically said some very negative stuff about stealing offerings and, and whatever you know. And what in the world does a preacher need? Well, the guy that was the, um, there that knew us, it made him so mad. He was fuming. He came and caught me. He said, did you hear what they said? I didn't hear all of it. I walked away, so I wouldn't hear a lot of it. And, and he said, he said, I know we're not supposed to. He said, but I'm going to go set them straight. They don't know who y'all are. They don't know what y'all have done. He said, uh, he said, I hope I don't hit them. <laughs> oh, he was mad. He was, well, they were ugly. I mean, they said some very ugly things about us. And um, it just came up out of my spirit. I said to him, I said, I said, brother, no. I said, no, don't, eat, don't say a thing to them. Don't say a thing. I said, they just don't see any value in what we do. That's why they say, well, they could have took that money and fed people with it. They, well, they don't know if we've done anything to feed people or not. How, why would they even bring that up? They could have done this or they could have. Why? They don't see the value in what's happening right now. They don't see how that the people are not even saved except by preaching. Come on. How about you? When were you born again? Where were you born again? Did somebody preach? Did you hear the gospel? Were their feet beautiful to you? Were you happy about the car, the plane, the train, whatever that got them there or the building that it happened in? Do you put a high value on the word of God and anything that helps get it to you is just nothing compared to the value of the word? Millions of people don't see that. They don't. They value religious tradition. They value humanitarian works, but they don't value the word. And Jesus did. He is the word. Right? And when people are first born again, and that should stay with us, he said, desire the pure milk of the word, because that's what's going to get in you and quicken you and make you grow up and become like the Christ that you've believed in. Can you say amen? amen. That's why, we're, that's why we, we, we believe for big places that a lot of people can come. That's why we believe for TV equipment and internet equipment. That's why we're believing for this Word Production Center. And we make no apologies for it. No apologies. These people that don't see this, they're ignorant. They're in darkness and they're in trouble. Because if they don't see the value of the Word of God, you know where are they at in their spiritual life. They're in trouble. And that's okay. If they just sit still, we'll send it to them. Amen. Is that right? <laughs> we'll put it on some more channels so they can't get away from it. They change the channel, and there we are again. <laughs> and if they make it past this life and they get it, they won't be cussing us later. They'll be hugging their neck. Is that right? That they missed hell and that they're part of the eternal kingdom of God. I'm still talking about what we desire. What do you long for? Phyllis and I are talking about this. The Lord's blessed us this year. Personally. Blessed us. We've had several mark-offs on our vision list. Glory to God. (laughs) Wonderful. And we're talking 
You know, we're sitting out on the patio the other day and we're saying, you know, I know how vision works. You got to keep vision in front of you and not stop believing. And she and I were talking about it. Well, what are we believing for? What else are we going to put on our vision list? We still got some things. Don't misunderstand me. But but we're thinking, what else? And and later in the day, we're riding, going to lunch, and, and we're both agreed, you know, we just don't care that much about stuff anymore. Thank God for it. But it's so temporary. You know what we're getting more and more stirred up about? That word production center, that preaching to people in Mandarin and Portuguese, having, being able to come in and, and help other churches get their buildings and get their properties and, and other mission outreaches and, and other, having the ability, being in a place where God can use you to do more and more kingdom work. And advancement. Thank God for it. I'm not, you know we believe in prosperity. We know that the Lord wants. He said He gives us all things uh, richly to enjoy. But there should be no comparison. Wanting a car, or wanting the gifts of the Spirit. Come on, are you listening? Wanting a nice house, or wanting to see the church just flourishing, and people come in and get saved, and just no comparison, right? And how many think that shouldn't just be with preachers? That's not a preacher thing. That's an every believer thing. What do you desire? What do you long for? The Bible said in 1 Corinthians 12, 31, covet earnestly the best gifts. 1 Corinthians 14, 1, desire spiritual gifts. Covet to prophesy. Desire these things. I'm going to do the same thing. Instead of showing you some cupcakes and peanut brittle and barbecue ribs, I'm going to show you something else. Revelation. Revelation. Understanding of the plan of God that previous generations haven't even seen. Questions answered. Why we're here. What happened before we got here? What's coming next? What's going on? Light and revelation that most of the world has no clue about. The Bible said in gifts, uh, working of, of miracles and these kind of things, we can taste the powers of the world to come. Now, I don't know if you heard that or not. What does that mean? We can get previews and tastes in this life how we're going to operate later in the kingdom. We see examples of it. People got translated in the book of Acts. People got caught up and were shown things centuries into the future and given understanding. That hasn't, God hasn't changed. These things haven't changed. Now, I know people have made up stories and maybe ate too much pizza and had a bad dream and decided they had a revelation, but it doesn't do away with the real. The real exists. Blind eyes instantly seeing. Deaf ears opening up. Organs being replaced and regrown. Workings of miracles. Gifts of healings. I want to see you licking your lips. Aren't you? you want some? You want some? If you want it enough, 
I said, if you wanted enough, you'll slip out of bed at two in the morning and start praying in tongues, saying, God, show us what to do. Not just begging, but in faith, in faith. Lord, help us to pray out this. What needs to happen next? What's the next part of this? Light. That just answers. Instead of being confused and wondering about it, you know it. No more messing with that. You got it. Word of knowledge. Somebody say, yum, yum. <laughs> word of wisdom. What's word of knowledge? Knowing things about the past and the present that there's no way you could know it. God just showed it to you. Just revealed it to you. Word of wisdom. Looking into the future. And the plan of God. Forget about titles. Will that make me a prophet? Forget about titles. Just hunger for the gifts. Right? Special faith. Oh, they don't come much more exciting than this. Special faith. You've been trying to believe something maybe for 20 years and all at once God's faith comes into you in a measure that you've never experienced before. You feel like you're about 30 foot tall and you look down on the situation. You say, I said, do this. And it happens. It happens. Something beyond you. Beyond you. Whoo. Somebody say, I desire it. I desire it earnestly. Glory to God. In these stronger anointings and stronger manifestations of God, many are swept in. I said many are swept in. People will come just to see what's wrong with you. <laughs> what the, what, what's happening to them? <laughs> and then when they come, they get more than they bargained for. They, uh, they, they think, well, I just don't know about it. I just don't oh, believe in all that junk. Then they go, oh, 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 what is that? What is that? <laughs> it's God. It's the presence. The undeniable, unmistakable presence. Not your presence, not my presence, His holy presence. You know who He gives it to? The ones that really want it. The ones that really want it. That love it. That want it more than they want what the world is looking for. Want it more. The people that have time for it. People that are not too busy for it. Don't have too many other things going on for it. Can you say glory to God? Say it out loud. Lord, I long for you. I desire you more than anything. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Go with me to 2 Corinthians 3. I think we can close with this. There's a lot here, but this is enough for now, I think. 2 Corinthians 3. I tell you what, go to Luke first. Let's do it like this. Go to Luke 11, then 2 Corinthians 3. 
You go to Luke 11. I'm going to say some other things to you for time's sake. You remember the prayer in Ephesians where he said, pray that the eyes of your understanding would be enlightened, that you might know what is the hope of his calling, the riches, the glory of his inheritance in the saints, the exceeding greatness of his power, these things. That's an enlightenment of your eyes. That's seeing something you had not seen. Seeing the hope of what he's called us to in himself. Seeing, when we see the exceeding greatness of his power, which he wrought in Christ, when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heaven, when we see that, seeing a healing will be easy. Seeing a miracle will be easy. Why? Because when he raised, the Bible said, That was the exceeding greatness of his power. When Jesus ministered in the gospel accounts, he referred to him casting out devils as doing it with the finger of God. The finger of God. And yet when it talks about him being raised from the dead, it doesn't talk about the hand of the Lord, finger. It talks about the arm of God, the exceeding greatness. It, It took the full power of God. How could that be? Well, he raised Lazarus from the dead. How different is this? Oh, completely, totally different. Because when he raised him, he raised you. And he raised everybody that would ever believe on him from every sin they had ever committed. God had to roll up his sleeve on that. Come on, are you listening? And he's praying by the Spirit of God, Lord, open their eyes up. Let them see that. Let them see what, isn't that the gospel? The good news of what has happened, what Christ has done for us? That they can see that. Well, seeing that, what's it going to do to you? Seeing the hope of his calling. Seeing the riches of the glory in the inheritance. Seeing. What's it going to do? going to make you want it. Right? It's going to make you want to come into more of it and experience more of it and move forward in it. So we're back to our text. How are we going to move forward? Looking causes longing. And longing will eventually, it gets strong enough in you, it'll cause you to leave where you are to get it. Now it works in the negative. You get to looking at something you shouldn't have. You'll want it. And the more you look at it. The more you'll want it. Until when it gets strong enough. You'll leave where you are. Don't people leave church? They leave God. They leave their spouses. They leave their families. They leave their kids. Why? Why would they leave all that? Because they want that. They want that more than they want all that. Wouldn't it have been so much easier for them if they had just never let themselves look at it? And that desire would have never got so strong. James describes this process. We didn't read it to you, but you're familiar with it. It says, you know, every man is tempted when he's drawn away of his own desire, his lust, and enticed. And when lust is 
conceived, it produces sin. And when that's finished, it produces death. Isn't that what happened with Eve and Adam? They saw it. They desired it. The devil was there to entice them. Right? And then they acted on it. Sin. And then what happened? Death. Wouldn't it have been so much easier if they'd have said, the Lord told us don't eat of that thing. So we got no business looking at it. It would have never progressed to that point. Because the enemy wouldn't have had the opportunity to entice them. And that desire would have just faded. They could have just stayed away from that thing, couldn't they? Never thought about it. Never talked about it. But the devil will come and he'll say, you need to look at that tree. Just look. We're not going to do anything. What does it hurt to look? What does it hurt to look? Are you sure? What does it hurt to look? Looking is a very big deal. And what you look at, you're going to be drawn to it. And what you look at, you're going to become like it. These are spiritual laws. The Bible said, remember Lot's wife? What happened to her? What did the angel tell her? Don't look back. What did he say? And so she did. And the Bible said she looked back expectingly. What does that mean? Longingly. She's longing. And it doesn't even make sense because the place is already being destroyed. Why long for something that's not going to be available to you? And yet, it was so big in her heart, she just loved Sodom and Gomorrah. She loved living there. That's one reason I don't like to use the word love unless I'm talking about God or people. I might like a car or like a motorcycle or like a house. I don't love them. I don't love them. I love God and I love people. How about you? That's the stuff we can take or leave. Right? Luke 11, 33, the Weiss translation says, the lamp of the body is the eye. Doesn't matter what you look at. It matters a great deal. When your eye is in single focus, sound, and fulfilling its function, also your whole body is well lighted. Anybody believe that or not? Can you see light right now? Close your eyes. Keep them closed. You see light now? No. Why? Open your eyes again. The light that you're seeing is in your brain and in your soul. But it has to come through your eyes. You have to look at it for it to get in you. That's what he's talking about. It's a gate into your inner man. And so by looking at something, we're saying, you can get in me. By listening to something, we're saying, you can get in me. How many think we ought to be selective about what we look at, what we listen to? Why? Because we're kidding ourselves if we think, oh, I'm just looking. Because what's going to happen when you look at it? Same thing that happened to Eve. What's going to happen? You're going to start desiring it. 
And the more you feed it, the stronger it's going to get. And when it gets strong enough, what's going to happen? You're going to go get it. You're going to act on it. And that's where people, Christians, get in such a state and they're going, I just, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm in such a mess. I, I need deliverance. I, I, just, I can't control myself. That did not happen overnight or in a week or two. Wrong decisions were made way back to look and long for and feed until it got so strong that it's moving you. Oh, friend, you and I can make another decision. We can say, I'm looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of my faith. I'm looking at Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. I'm looking at Acts and Ephesians. I'm looking at the kingdom of God and the plan of God and what God's doing in my generation right now. I'm looking at what would happen. The more you look at it, it's going to feed that desire. And it's going to work in you until you will desire to pray. You'll desire to read your chapter. You'll desire to go to church. You'll desire to serve and do what the Lord's telling you to do. And it'll be your food. Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And you'll just hear a spiritual reality and subject referred to, and you'll start licking your lips going, mm, we're going to get into that? Ooh, I want me a double portion of that. Uh, give me extras. Extras. Lanyap is exactly right. Give me some lanyap. Thank you. <laughs> he said, when your eye is right, your body's full of light. But when you're looking at the wrong thing, it's full of darkness. Easy to read says, the only source of light for the body is the eye. When you look at people and want to help them, you're full of light. You look at people in a selfish way, you're full of darkness. The Living Bible says, your eyes light up your inward being. Can you put that up for me? Luke eleven thirty four, the Living Bible. Your eyes light up your inward being. A pure eye lets sunshine into your soul. A lustful eye shuts out the light and plunges you into darkness. That's looking at the wrong thing. So watch out that the sunshine isn't blotted out. If you're filled with light within, with no dark corners, then your face will be radiant too, as though a floodlight is beamed upon you. What will happen? This light that you get full of and this desire will light up your face. People will see it and you'll infect others. They'll wonder, what are they so excited about? What are they so worked up about? And they'll hang around you and they'll start, well, I got to go find out at least what it is because, boy, they sure act like they like it. (laughs) They act like they like it better than anything else. And then they come and they find out. Come and see. Come and taste. The Lord is good. Can you say amen? Finally, 2 Corinthians, we made it there. Chapter 3. 2 Corinthians 3. The latter part of the, uh, the chapter is talking about how Moses, after spending time in the presence of God, his face shone. Why did it shine? It was because of what he was looking at. What he looked at got in him, affected him, and now when he comes from the presence of God, people are noticing that light on him. It bothered them so much they put a veil 
over his face because it scared them. Is God as real and powerful today as he was then? He's never changed. And notice in the third chapter, towards the end of the chapter, he said, verse 18, now the Lord is that spirit, 17, excuse me, the Lord is that spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty, freedom. But we all with open face doing what? Beholding or looking like in a glass or a mirror at the glory of the Lord, what happens? You're looking at the glory of the Lord. We already talked about two main things that happen when you look. What's the first one? When you look at something and you keep on looking at it, what happens to you? It fuels your desire. Causes you to long for it. And when it gets strong enough. What's going to happen next? It's going to move you. To try to get it. What else does looking do? When Lot's wife. Turned back and looked longingly at Sodom. What happened to her? She became. A pillar of salt. And when we looked at the other scriptures. That's what was happening to Sodom and Gomorrah. The words for salt and sulfur. Was the same ones as there. She became what she's looking at. She wanted Sodom and Gomorrah, and what happened to Sodom and Gomorrah happened to her. You become what you behold. It's a spiritual law. I heard somebody the other day that's talking about the, this guy was in prison for these violent sexual crimes. And uh, they said he had. Uh, for years and years and years, had just fed continuously on this violent pornography, and they were wondering if there was any connection between. <laughs> he became what he beheld. What happened to him? He looked at it, and what happened while he was looking at it? He started wanting that. Maybe the first time he looked at it, it was abhorrent to him. It was distasteful. It was, you know, Repulsive to him. But eventually. He started wanting it. And eventually he acted on it. And he became. What he was looking at. What if you look at Jesus. (laughs) I said what if you look at Jesus. We all with an open face. Beholding like in a mirror. What if you look at the glory. Of the Lord. Can we see the glory of the Lord. By faith we can. We can behold his glory by faith in his word, by his spirit. And what happens as you look at it? As you look at it, you begin to long for more. And it begins to get so strong, it draws you, it motivates you, it causes you to change your lifestyle. You no longer have time for this, and you got plenty of time for his things. Your priorities change. You change because you are changing into the same image you're looking at. It doesn't all happen overnight, but it happens progressively from glory to glory by the Spirit of the Lord. I don't know if we heard this or not. We're talking about you're looking at the glory of the Lord and you become what you're looking at. 
Didn't the Bible say, now are we the sons of God? The children, it doesn't yet appear what we shall be, but we know when we see him, we will be like him. We'll see him. When we do what? When we see him. See him. See him. Because we're looking at him. We're looking at him. And then when we see more of him and more of him and he comes, we go. We're like him. And he'll say, I told you, you were becoming like me when you were looking at me. I told you. And that's going to continue throughout the ages as he reveals and shows us the exceeding riches of his grace and glory. We progressively become more and more like him. We're talking about the almighty creator of the heavens and the earth. We don't see it all now, but we got lots of time. I said, we got lots of time. To develop. Stand up on your feet, everybody. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.